You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Oh, we got a lot to get to today. We got a huge Thursday night football game between the Chargers and the Chiefs. We got to talk about an increasingly terrible situation for the Browns, who are now down two quarterbacks. And Emmett Golden, who's with me here today, going to get us through all of that. But first, it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Emmett Golden, as I said, filling in for Fitz here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests are going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And before we can get to any of that, we got to give you the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And that is the news that hit last night. And what did I have to say? But I told you so! And not like everyone else who told you so a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago. I told you so the day that this was announced. Urban Meyer out! Spain and Fitz take you for a ride in a clown car. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown? I am you? Is Earth flat or round? Yeah. I think you need to do research on it. You just got left-handed, right-handed. Is he amphibious? Make me a bicycle clown! That's right. We're bringing back the clown car. It's been a little while. We have had a number of people hop in. See if there's still room in there with Kyrie. I hope the clown car doesn't fall off the flat earth as we ride it off to talk about Urban Meyer. Oh, man, this was so inevitable, Emmett. At the same time, it was incredibly overdue. The idea that we would need the story of him physically kicking one of his own players, the kicker being kicking a kicker, in order for this to happen, when clearly Shad Khan should have done it months ago when he had an opportunity uh, during the last scandal, and now it felt uh, not only overdue but also necessary and preventative just in case something else was going to be coming down the pike, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's and I, I was right along with you. I knew this was going to happen. One of the things I got to do when I started in this business was cover Ohio State. The first year was with Luke Fickle. The second year was with Urban Meyer. And I knew right away the NFL is not Columbus, Ohio, right? <laughs> he was not a god in Jacksonville like he was in Columbus. So anybody with half a brain could have seen this coming. Yeah, and the thing is, is that this is a guy who – Uh, didn't do it right at the college level either. It's just either the checks aren't there because there's no protection for players who are unpaid, who don't have an easy out, and who aren't making the millions of dollars to feel secure in in speaking up. But but like there was endless amounts of evidence that this guy was going to do it wrong and was going to not care about... um, Anybody but himself. And and that became very clear here by the way he handled himself. Whether it was not getting on the team plane after a bad loss, whether it was disrespecting his wife and his family publicly out at bars, whether it was hiring a coach that just months before had been fired for for alleged racism, immediately bringing that guy into a team, whether it was bringing Tebow in, which I now wonder, were you trying to bring in an ally because (laughs) you wanted someone who would be on your side as you continued to alienate people? Were you bringing in a check? Maybe he would be near you and be like, hey, coach, yeah, don't do that. I'm Tim Tebow. I'm the literal angel on your shoulder. Um, It's starting to make me wonder if there was something else to him bringing him in that wasn't about influencing the players, maybe more influencing himself. But, you know, Lewis Riddick was on Canty and Golick Jr., the show right before us, Emmett. And and this rant to me said a lot because it wasn't just about the frustration of watching Urban waste an opportunity, but about all the others who didn't get that opportunity. Given all that absolute power, he just laughed in, in Shad's face and conducted himself allegedly in ways that are unbecoming of a true leader, an NFL head coach, and someone that you know would be a stand-up, 
representative of an NFL franchise in the position of head coach. And that just is infuriating to me because there are so many guys, so many people in last year's hiring cycle that were more qualified than him to have an opportunity to lead that organization who had paid their dues in the NFL, who had done it the right way, who had positively impacted players all along, who had been part of successful organizations, who had a high level of competency, who were side. So this guy to come out of the TV booth, back down to the sidelines, walking with his chest stuck out. He had already done a bunch of things in the NFL. For him not to fire him at this point in time, given all the things that he did from day one that he got hired there, it's flat out freaking embarrassing. It's just embarrassing, man. And for all the guys who didn't get a chance to lead that organization, who interviewed for that job, I'd be pissed. I would be absolutely pissed because, see, that is what – irks people about the NFL when certain guys get opportunities that don't treat it with the kind of respect that it deserves. Yeah, I mean, that's a big part of it, too. We're going to all react to this exact moment, and it was the right decision no matter how belated it was, but we're also going to forget all of the months that were wasted, all of the possibilities for Trevor Lawrence had he not been in a completely toxic situation in his first year, and all of the coaches who didn't get that opportunity because the system works a certain way, and Urban Meyer is exactly the guy who continues to profit from that completely messed up system. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that look, I, I know how it works. You get your job in the NFL a lot of times because of who you know, you know, or who you coached before. I think Urban's biggest problem is when he got this opportunity, he didn't act like he was grateful for the opportunity. He almost carried himself like he was owed this opportunity. And anybody that, you know, couldn't see it just needed to get out of his way. I think that's the most disappointing thing where you look at other guys around the league that you know would be grateful to have an opportunity to to be a head coach, whereas it seemed like Urban just felt like, yeah, I'm supposed to be a head coach. Right, and that feels like that's how he's carried himself everywhere he's been. And unfortunately, the college football scene is so bereft of any morality that you can get away with that if you win enough. And honestly, if Urban Meyer had won more games, he'd probably still be in Jacksonville, no matter whether he had done all the things that we've heard of right up to and including kicking one of his players. They would have found a way to spin away from it if he was having success. In fact, (laughs) there is still a possibility because of just how terrible things had gone for Urban in Jacksonville that his replacement, interim head coach Daryl Bevel, Uh, could do better. And that came up when a reporter very awkwardly but impressively said this during Bevel's press availability today. I think you got a a really good chance of finishing with more career wins as an interim coach than Irvin has a head coach. (laughs) 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 Nothing. I won't say anything. By the way, he was smiling for that. It sounded like he was, uh, but he was smiling. And I love whoever that giggle is. (laughs) Yeah. Whoever that woman was, that, that was me. That's how I would have behaved in that situation. It's Sarah Spain, Emmett Golden on ESPN Radio. We'll tell you more about Emmett, and we'll definitely get into his Browns in the next segment. But this urban thing, like I said, you know, j- just saying I told you so, it's not me saying I knew more than anybody else. There are plenty of people on the same page. But I just think there are so many examples across sports of people who want to push aside issues that they find a way to separate from 
success or football or the sport itself. And in the end, they're inextricably linked. Yes, you can be a pretty bad dude and have a lot of success. Again, look look at Urban Meyer at the collegiate level. But I think there is a line at some point. And to me, I was already deeply concerned about how he would interact with professional athletes who are adult grown men. But add on to that, as soon as that Chris Doyle hire happened, I thought to myself, if I am a player of color, or even if I'm a white player who cares about this stuff, I am so suspect of this man that he felt it was appropriate. And you remember that he was saying stuff like, oh, I've known this guy for 20 years. I've done my work. You know, back when I coached here, he was there. They weren't there at the same time. He was like (laughs) fibbing even about that. He couldn't even be honest and say, I heard all these good things. He had to make it sound like they had worked together and that there was this deep connection there. He was full of it on that too. And to want to walk someone in, particularly during the climate that that was, as we were all reacting to this racial awakening and to try to walk this guy in like, well, it's been three months since he was fired for being racist. I think we're all good now, right? To a to a team that's predominantly African-American? Like, how that wasn't enough to me for everybody to see this was going to be a disaster is beyond me. You knew right away he just didn't get it, right? As soon yes. as he did that, you go, okay, he doesn't get it because you can do that at Florida, at Ohio State, and everybody will say things up under their breath, but it doesn't happen like that in the NFL. You know, and to your point, he was coaching grown men. They're in the NFL. When he's in college, right, there might be a kid that he's hard on that might, you know, dealing with some stuff that he doesn't like from Urban, but his goal is to get to the NFL. So he's going to keep his mouth closed. He's going to do what he has to do. No, these guys are in the NFL. These coaches are in the NFL, so they didn't need Urban Meyer, and that's where he got the game messed up. A lot of them making more than him, too. We'll hear from Trevor Lawrence, one of those players who was outspoken about a lot of social issues when he was in college. He had things to say about uh, the the toxic situation there. We'll get to that later. So Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Sarah Spain, Emmett Golden in for Fitz tonight on Spain and Fitz. And he's here on a good night because the Browns are a mess. Less than 48 hours before their game against Fitz's Raiders. Emmett in Cleveland. Going to talk to you about it next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. The existence of a fifth center who is also a plus-size male model has thrown this show into a tizzy. (laughs) Uh, This is the Washington football team down to its fifth starting center, John Toth, who doubles as a plus-size model. It got me thinking about the places he might model, like Abercrombie or H&M, like ham. Okay, H&M, I like it. (laughs) Thick sporting goods. Uh, I got a couple more. I posted them, and now y'all are coming back with some good ones like Banana Split Republic. Uh, (laughs) So we'll get back to that. We've got to get back to the male model. It's Spain and Fitz. Emmett Golden in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and I'm glad that Emmett is here. Because his Browns are a mess. And I don't just mean in the usual way that the Browns tend to be a mess. Or even this season's version of the Browns being a mess. Or even Baker Mayfield's body being a mess. I'm talking COVID protocols. Which started out with people trying to put a little bit of a spin on it. Hmm. Well, Baker Mayfield is out. But maybe they're better off with Case Keenum just running the offense. Healthy Case Keenum 100%. Maybe better than a banged up Baker. Ah, Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, he's been out before. They won a playoff game with him out before. But now that Case Keenum has also tested positive, 
leaving the team likely without its two top quarterbacks for Saturday's game against the Raiders. We're looking at Nick Mullins, who was just elevated from the practice roster today, started 16 games for the Niners, 2018 to 20, but hasn't yet thrown a pass for the Browns. Now, the NFL did relax, relax testing requirements to clear some personnel, and that may allow for a faster return. Um, they've, they've changed a couple protocols. They've gone back to some of the masking and, and to-go food and some of the things to try to cut down on this spread. So there is a chance that some of the players that we are currently seeing now on lists will not have to go as long of a time as previously to return to the roster. But, man, this does not look good for the Browns as of now, Emmett. I mean, you're understating it greatly right there, right? <laughs> I mean, they, you know, Nick Mullins is going to be the starting quarterback if he doesn't pop up on right. the COVID list. And the biggest problem is today the NFL allowed the Browns to practice and then they tested after practice. So, yeah, Case Keenum tested positive, but after he was around all the guys and you're already missing, like you said, Case Keenum, Baker Mayfield, three-fifths of your starting offensive line is out. All, your entire safety position is gone. A few more guys in that secondary. I don't know how in the world they're going to field a team that I know. All right, I host the Browns postgame <laughs> show here in Cleveland. It's going to be I'm like gonna, the preseason? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, going to need a roster. <laughs> I'll need a roster to do the show on Saturday night. It is an absolute mess, and the NFL has not done the Browns any favors. Yeah, this is uh, this is where we're all like, "Wow, would it be nice to have OBJ?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> or, or or literally any warm body. Um, the the Raiders have been an incredibly inconsistent team. At one point early in the season, we really thought that they might be a playoff squad. They've obviously struggled for a number of reasons of late. Do you see a way for them to win this game with the personnel that they have available? If if nobody else gets added. And Mullins, at least, is the quarterback as opposed to, you know, a tight end like what we saw with the Broncos <laughs> last year where it wasn't even a quarterback playing the position. Sarah, this is how desperate everyone in Cleveland is. Today, my co-host on my afternoon drive show in Cleveland said, well, maybe the Raiders will show up and just won't really try that hard. Like, that's where we are, right? <laughs> do, we have, do we have a reason for them to do that? Is the, did, no. did he come up with at least some sort was, of reason they would do that? It was like, well, they're not really in the playoffs, so they don't really need this game. And uh -huh. I said, our, is, like, yeah. I don't feel good about that. If that's mm -hmm. what we're holding no. or hanging our hopes on, <laughs> it's not going to work out. No. I don't see it. All you really have is Nick Chubb, and then you pray to whoever you pray to because mm -hmm. that's it. And maybe you hope that Miles Garrett is able to get a bunch of sacks and maybe Denzel Ward can get some interceptions because those are the three playmakers that are healthy right now. I think all three of those guys recently uh, had COVID within the past six months or so, so they should be okay. That's all the Browns have. Everybody else is just kind of jags, right? You know, just a guy. Yeah, uh, which is especially appropriate this year with the Jags being right. uh, um, one, <laughs> one eleven or whatever they are. Um, you said, and it's Emmett Golden out of Cleveland talking to us about the Browns. He's filling in for Fitz on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You said pray to whoever you pray to, and, and I, I want to dive a little deeper on that. Are there people that are Browns fan that still believe in any sort of God? At this point, uh, wouldn't your prayers have to have been answered at any point what, in the Sarah, history you, of your fandom? What are you talking about? Our <laughs> prayers were answered last year when we went to Pittsburgh and beat Ben Roethlisberger in right, the playoffs. Right, right. I'm That's so sorry that you don't have higher hopes. It's all anybody. 
you can't ask the woman upstairs for something better than that. That's all you ever. That's all you ever need. Hey, look, LeBron won a championship. You know, we were we, we appreciate that. <laughs> as far as the Browns go, you take what you can get, right? Oh man, that's so depressing. I'm a Bears fan, though. I should I should totally yeah, understand. Right. Uh, Spain and Fitz, Emmett Golden in for Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See what you can save in as little as three minutes at one 800 progressive and progressive.com. Okay, so I mentioned that the NFL was changing some of the protocols that they'll be using. Now, this is obviously in response to the widespread COVID outbreak. More than at any point during the COVID pandemic in the NFL in the last couple days, and this is probably due to waning effectiveness of the existing vaccines and probably those who have not yet gotten boosted. It's the fact that the Delta is much more transmissible. Omicron is infinitely more transmissible. And the fact that we are coming a couple weeks off of Thanksgiving, where many people may have been spending time indoors with family members who may not be vaccinated or who may not be caring as much about who they're around and, and how they're protecting themselves. It may just be that people have let down their guard a bit because we've been at this for so long. Yeah. I, I just it's 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 tough to have the same vigilance. But we're here now. And the NFL and the Players Association have come to terms on some of the protocols getting put in place immediately to help some of the teams whose rosters have been wiped out uh, in the last couple of days. So intensive COVID protocols for all teams until the end of the week. So mandatory masking in facilities, social distancing, grab-and-go meal service in team cafeterias, all virtual meetings, limits on the number of people in weight rooms and facilities and activities outside of the facility restricted again. So those intensive protocols will be in place. I also reached out to Dan Graziano and Kevin Seifert to ask about some of the policies in place when the season started. They were they were made Emmett when there was a real expectation that being vaccinated was going to protect you from getting the virus exponentially more mm -hmm. than what's happening now. And it did for a long time. You were five times less likely to get it. The new strains are making it a little bit harder to tell. And so most of the players currently testing positive are are vaccinated since most of the players in the NFL are vaccinated. There there was an expectation at the beginning of the season that if you had a spread caused by an unvaccinated player, you would forfeit. You would be responsible for the money lost and both teams would not get paid. Very unlikely to happen. That would require the NFL to cancel the game and forfeit it and not re reschedule it. They are now going to try to reschedule it only if they are required to, only if it's impossible to play. And the concern there is some of these don't seem like they have a controlled spread. Yeah, I mean, it's almost to the point where everybody on the Browns will end up um, having COVID at some point. The team practiced today, Sarah. Right. And there were four other players mm. that tested positive. So it's only going to get worse before it gets better here in Cleveland. I think we might see some reschedules. We just Fingers might at crossed. this point. Yeah. Because football, you need a lot of players. It's not basketball where you call someone up from the G League and cross your fingers. It's Spain and Fitz. Emmett Golden in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio. We're going to talk Thursday Night Football Chiefs, also without some key pieces, going into a huge AFC West battle tonight. We'll get into it next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Oh, these are my jam. This Usher album, man. I really wore this thing out back in the day. I tried to get into an Usher music video when I was living at a frat at UCLA. And really? it was that one where he's just dancing by himself in the rain with a light pole. So after I saw it, I was like, yeah, no, I get why they didn't just let me walk on the set and dance with them. Also, I was hammered. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Emma Golden, filling in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We got a big 
Thursday night football game tonight. And I always say that, and somehow it doesn't pan out because we're not allowed to have nice things on Thursdays. But tonight, maybe Chiefs Chargers will give us something good. That is if there are enough decent players to make it look like football. And we're going to get someone on to tell us if that's going to happen. ESPN NFL Nation Chiefs reporter Adam Teicher joins us now. All right, so not nearly as bad as some other places. Right now, Chris Jones, that's a big one. Willie Gay, Josh Gordon, and then Legereus need out for other reasons, not COVID related. First three were COVID. Uh, that's a that's a respectably few number of people, Adam, to be out for the Chiefs tonight. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, three defensive starters for the Chiefs are down. Uh, two of them for COVID reasons, one uh, for uh, personal reasons. So, uh, real challenge for the Chiefs. You know, they played so well defensively during their six-game winning streak, and it's uh, really the reason that they're, you know, back in first place in the AFC West now. And you just wonder at what point are they not the Chiefs' defense with uh, certainly their best pass rusher in Chris Jones, their best cornerback in LeJarius Sneed, and their best, at least in pass coverage, their best linebacker in Willie Gay. So uh, at what point are they not the Chiefs uh, on defense? So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that question is answered tonight. Adam, the Chiefs started out pretty rough this year, and Pat Mahomes didn't protect the ball very well. What changed for Pat over the past few games? Yeah, um, basically receivers are catching the ball a little better. I mean, they've not been helping him out much. I mean, there's been a lot of drop passes, some of which have been deflected to opponents and and gone for interceptions. So he's not had a lot of help this year. Uh, I saw a crazy stat, like he's got like seven or eight passes that had a uh, 75% or better chance of being completed go for interceptions. So uh, it's been crazy, and that's been a part of it. I think he's kind of calmed down a little bit. I think the way the Chiefs were playing defensively really was uh, was getting to him. He sort of was playing with his hair on fire a little bit and uh, really felt that uh, he, he needed to make a play on every play for the Chiefs to win. But he's he's calmed down a little bit in that regard, been a little more patient. Chiefs are using their running backs more in the passing game. So, uh, he's, you know, it's been that as well. Adam Teicher, ESPN NFL Nation Chiefs reporter with us here ahead of Thursday Night Football against the Chargers tonight here on Spain and Fitz. Emmett Golden filling in for Fitz with me, Sarah Spain. Uh, You mentioned that defense, and a lot of people have been sort of dumbstruck by the idea that the Chiefs would be going on this incredible run, you know, of six in a row and looking, you know, like a dominant team again because of a defense that was so abhorrent at the start of the season. But people also pointing out that Mahomes isn't, really Mahomes right now some of the struggles that happened early in the season are still sort of there they're just covered up by a defense helping them out do you need to see more of Mahomes passing his way to success taking what the defense is giving him being okay not going for those explosive plays if they're not there in order to believe that this team can really contend as opposed to just working their way through the regular season yeah I mean I I, I, what the Chiefs are doing defensively at least when they have their full lineup uh, with, with them, is is pretty impressive. I mean, it's for real. I, I don't think there's a fluke or anything like that. It, it's hard to believe given how far they've come and how quickly they sort of turned this around because they were just miserable on defense early in the season. They didn't do anything well. So, um, you know, but that part of the game is, is legit and I think will we'll go a long way with them, for them. But I, I do feel like at some point they're going to need – the old the Pat, the old Pat Mahomes and the old Chiefs offense, and there might be a game whether it's uh, you know big later on in the regular season or maybe even tonight or 
um, possibly in the playoffs where they're going to need to score some points. And you just can't be confident right now that the Chiefs can do that at will when they need to in a big game because uh, it's been so spotty this year. Uh, um, you know, they've, they've had had some games where they've either turned it over or, or not moved the ball very well or both. So um, it, it is – it makes you wonder a little bit, Sarah, that uh, you know, where, where are the Chiefs and can they sort of dial that up if they have to have it in a big game? You know, Adam, you talk about the offense, and there was a time when everybody in the NFL was scared of that Kansas City offense. How much is that offense feared around the NFL right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think teams are, uh, you know, it, it probably wasn't, it, it isn't what it was a couple of years ago. I, I don't think teams are necessarily feeling like they have to score on every possession or, or, anything like that to win the game. I mean, they feel, you know, hey, justifiably so. They don't have to do that. But the, the, the bigger problem there has been scoring uh, enough to win games lately because uh, Chiefs have allowed exactly nine points in each of their last three games, uh, averaging, I think, uh, about 11 points a game allowed over the uh, six-game winning streak. So that part of things has, has really changed. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Emmett Golden in for Fitz. Adam Teicher with us here on the Goodyear Hotline, our ESPN NFL Nation Chiefs reporter. Chiefs take on the Chargers tonight. Adam, what would you say is still the biggest weakness for this team? I mean, um, the run the run game, is it concerns about just the balance of the offense? What, what do you think needs to be fixed for you to feel confident as we get closer to the playoffs and the Super Bowl? Yeah, they just need to be more consistent offensively. I mean, in the six-game winning streak, they had two big offensive games, both against the Raiders. And then the other four, it um, you know, it's, it's sort of odd. They they uh, have gone on long, time-consuming touchdown drives to start the games, and then and then little or nothing in the way of offensive production. So, hmm. I think offensive consistency. I, I think they need to uh, um, not just start uh, fast, but finish fast and, and get some things done in between. Because uh, we, we just haven't really seen again, uh, with the exception of the two games against the Raiders. We just haven't seen them be that steady, that consistent on offense. And uh, you feel like sooner or later that's going to get to them, and, and maybe it, uh, it will tonight if they, don't, uh, if they aren't more consistent offensively. Adam, with the coaching position open in Jacksonville, do you think Enemy could be a candidate for that job, or has that ship just sailed for him? No, I think he'll be a candidate this time around. Uh, he has a lot to offer uh, some programs. I don't know if that one necessarily would be a right, the right fit for him. But um, I, I do feel like um, he'll be a candidate again this time, and he's, he's got a good shot at getting a job. I, I don't think the, the ship has sailed for the enemy. No, not at all. I do think the Jags need to try to find an established veteran NFL head coach who's been there before. I just, That's it just one seems... reason I think it's not yeah. um, a great fit for him. I, I, I don't know that they he's exactly what they're looking for. Not that he's anything like necessarily Urban Meyer, but just somebody who comes in with so much gravitas that the players feel like they have respect for them having done it before and just feels yep. like a completely flipped situation of who has the power and who's, who's, who's earned, earned some respect there. Hey, Adam, thanks for the insight. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks. Great stuff, guys. Adam Teicher, ESPN NFL Nation Chiefs reporter with us here on Spain and Fitz. Emmett Golden in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio. Don't forget, you could be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football bowl season is here, and fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. You can hit us up at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, 
And at, let me, it's uh, E Goldie 80. There you go. E Goldie yeah. 80. Uh, that's right. 80. Uh, you know, the number <laughs> of times you've prayed to whatever God you still believe in and it's gone unanswered because you're still rooting for the Browns. That's right. right. <laughs> uh, coming up, male model. Also, we're getting into the Christmas spirit. We'll tell you how. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Yes, just keep giving me that usher. This is, a, this is all bangers on this album. So good. Spain and Fitz, Emmett Golden in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We'll talk a little bit more about that Thursday night football game. We'll get the Chargers half of it in just a bit. But if you were listening to the show before us, they were talking about male models. And I'll tell you why. It's because... Somehow, some way, it was uncovered, and I—I I mean, I know how, and, and I know what way it was. <laughs> Good it was, pun it, there too, it, by the they, way. They, it was uncovered. Yeah, it was uncovered. <laughs> um, that uh, there is a fifth starting center for the Washington Football Team. Nikki Jabvala is the one who uncovered this, and his name is John Toth, and he doubles as a plus-size male model. And, of course, when Mike Golick Jr., the king of the thicks, heard this, he realized that this needed to be a topic of discussion. I leapt in with some of my favorite puns about what this gentleman, John Toth, looked like in his modeling photos. There's a whole story about him on ESPN. Uh, The headline from, uh, let's see, this is from August of this year. Meet Washington's newest O-lineman, a 6'5", 310-pound model. So, you know, you're looking at the photos, and I, I was thinking to myself, he's giving me some vibes of Abercrombie, some H&M, ham, some thick sporting goods, some XL bean, some Nordstrom rack of lamb, some X-Express. And then uh, you guys hopped in on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. You wanted to be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation, too, at MD Nichols Esquire. Off Sacks fifth helping of mashed potatoes uh, <laughs> at C Venz literally made me LOL with Tommy Full Figure, <laughs> which is so good. Oh, that's uh, so good. At Kevin T Rich gave us Banana Split Republic. That's probably uh, my favorite right uh, now. This is one of my favorites. Tommy Behemoth, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cholesterol, oh, uh, okay. Michael Four Cores Meal. <laughs> um and Tommy Vienna finger. Uh no, we also right. got from at real Mike D forty nine Duluth Grazing Company and mm. Old Gravy. <laughs> Is that all name? Okay. Oh uh, yep, yep. <laughs> got it. Uh at Phil Pramato said Lulu Lemon Meringue Pie and uh I Baz sixty six. Tommy Hill figure out how to get a snack at the half. Uh, these yeah. are all wonderful. You guys really understood the assignment, and I appreciate all of you. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about this John Toth fella. You can read the story if you want. He uh, wants to look good on the football field, and he wants to look good off of it, too. He is what they call a brawn model, which is such a lovely term. Did you know, Emmett, by the way, that uh, if a gentleman exceeds a certain size, uh, it goes from portly, and the next size up is executive? Isn't that no, so I nice for them? I know that. It's so nice that you get bigger and bigger and your title gets better. I think in the women's size, it just says, like, fatty, fattier, fattiest. Like, we don't get those yeah. nice I, terms. Sarah, I had the hardest time in my life gaining weight, right? When I graduated, oh. 
uh, you know from what? high That's, school. You're going to end up on Snapped. That's yeah. how those Lifetime movies start. <laughs> Literally a man saying he can't gain weight is the beginning of every Snapped, but in my I opinion. Was, I was 6'4", 140 pounds before Ooh, my wife boy. had her first kid. Oh, yeah. man. Now I'm about 215 now, so I filled out a little bit. It took me till I was about... 36 before I started to gain any weight, but well, yeah, I was a string Absolutely bean. no sympathy over here. <laughs> I was also a string bean, and then puberty hit, and it was like, what? Salads forever? Ah. <laughs> ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Pet protection comes free with auto collision coverage. Visit Progressive.com. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Emmett Golden. He's not making any fi- uh, friends around here, because first, yeah. you know, obviously, he starts with the, I can't gain weight, woe is me. I eat pizza all day, and I'm still so skinny and light. And drink beer. Yeah. Okay, don't need to add it and make it any worse. But he also started the show with, oh, I'm so happy. I'm done with all of my Christmas shopping. Yeah. Meanwhile... I got a list as long as Santa's, and I got next Tuesday is the only time that I have blocked off several hours where I need to just get it all done because I've been so busy. Tell me your ways. How did you do it? So this is the first time I've ever done this because I usually procrastinate and wait till the last minute, or or I just give my wife a bunch of money and say, hey, knock yourself out. (laughs) Just go buy people stuff. Well, this year, have you ever heard of this place called Amazon.com? I have. I have. I, it, evidently, I just got hip to it because it's amazing. Like, I spent a ton of money, but packages every day start showing up, and I realized I can't be so critical of my wife when she's opening up a new package every mm-hmm. day. But at least, I have Chris, at least I have Christmas as the excuse. So I did all my shopping online this year, and I am finished. All right. So listen, my respect for you and my jealousy is gone because I could have done that. Uh-huh. And, of course, in a time of need, I do turn to Amazon. We all do because Amazon Prime gets you in two days, act like you had it planned all along, is a very good fail-safe. But I'm trying to spend money at local stores and not give all my money to someone mm-hmm. who has somehow made five times as much money as he did before during the world's worst economy yeah, and the support pandemic. Support the community. Yeah, That's like I don't want to do, give right. all my money to Jeff Bezos. Now and, I and, feel bad. Well, you, you know? should. Uh, that was the point of my my diatribe. Um, so I'm trying to support local business. I even have things that I know I can get off Amazon that I put on the list. And on, you know, on Tuesday, I go around looking for it. And that gives me three days to freak out and go to Amazon and get it in two days if I can't find it somewhere else. Um, yeah. I also, it's Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Emmett Golden and for Fitz. Please tell me who sings the song that came into break. I thought it was another it Usher was banger. No, Thank it was you. Joe. Yeah. I, uh, my brain went, I thought we were just taken with that Usher album, and now I'm being told that I'm very white, and that's true, and I apologize. I just <laughs> thought it was still Usher, and it was Joe. But that was from the same time period. That no was doubt. me, yeah, yeah, you know, no getting doubt. down to those tunes at the same time. Uh, do you remember that song, Stutter? That was Joe, right? Uh, was it was it might be it was either Joe or Case, but I think it was I think Joe. it was Joe. I think uh, it was Joe. Anyway, I'm sure the internet will tell me since they just told me what I what I said wrong there. But it was yeah, I think it it was Joe. I'm I'm right on that one because uh, I could tell you're lying because when you were playing stutter stutter, that was the jam too. Same time period. That that was the jam. All right. So I last night listened to Mike Golick Jr. Um, usually good usually a good thing to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. He tweeted about a new Netflix cheesy Christmas movie. And I don't do the Hallmark ones. I don't really usually do the straight to Netflix without the like superstar movie thing. But I gave it a shot because I needed to get some stuff done. And single all the way is truly a joy. Uh, 
I know the name alone really, really promises a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming the main character is single. Uh, yes, he is. Ah, uh, there it is. The main character is the main guy from Ugly Betty, which I never watched, but he was, I think, like maybe Betty's best friend or coworker or something, and he's going home to his small eastern t- town uh, for Christmas, and his family's always trying to get him to, to get a boyfriend, and he, you know, he doesn't have a boyfriend because he finds out early on, spoiler alert, it's very early in the movie, that his boyfriend of the last four months is a married man with a wife and kids who is mm. just, uh, you know diddling him on the side yeah. so then he then he brings his best friend home and then his mom sets him up with her uh, you know workout instructor jennifer coolidge is in it you know from uh american pie stifler's okay. mom yeah yep. stifler's yep. mom is in it crushes it kathy and jimmy who like somehow looks the same as she did like 20 years ago in hocus pocus um you got you got a lot of people that you kind of recognize in this movie ali krieger the soccer player her brother who's an Instagram influencer. He's in this movie. Uh, the wedding singer guy uh, who swears a lot. You know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. that guy's in there at the end. There's a lot of fun, exciting. Star-studded cast, yeah. it sounds like. Star-studded yeah. of, like, B's, B-rate, you know, actors and actresses. Yeah, right. Um, so do you have a guilty pleasure is what I'm leading to. Um, because Single All the Way is my new guilty pleasure. So I watch A Christmas Story Every okay. Christmas, right? You know, yeah. Christmas Eve, late night, I throw it on. Now, you um, definitely watched that as a kid, right? With your family? No doubt. No okay, because I didn't, and that's why I think it's trash. Because I don't associate any nostalgia with it. I watched well, it later, and I was like, this movie sucks. Well, the the house in A Christmas Story is in Cleveland, right? So, like, right, you, you right. have to. You're genetically predisposed right. to like this movie. You know, I was born in Cleveland. Cleveland. Really? Yes. What happened? Cuyahoga County <laughs> Hospital. Grew up very briefly in Shaker Heights, I think, for like a minute. Okay. I live and in Cleveland my parents, Heights right now. Yeah, so. my parents moved to Chicago, and thankfully they had no allegiance to uh, Cleveland sports, and they let me grow up a Bulls fan. Yeah, Thank well, God. yeah, Thank you had Jordan. God. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess that worked. I was a big Mark Price fan growing up, and okay. I hated Michael Jordan because yeah, well, he ripped my heart out when I was uh, eight years old. That's so. a sad There's state that. of affairs for you that you didn't get to enjoy the greatest of all time. Wait, so Christmas <laughs> Story is not a guilty pleasure, really, though. That's kind of like one of the classics. You don't have any yeah. cheesy one. The Holiday, another no, great one. Not a Christmas movie. Now, I, You've Got Mail is one of my yes. guilty pleasures. I love that movie. But I don't have any like holiday guilty pleasures. All right, you've got mail is a good one though. I if love you it. if you give me Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, I'm watching it. You could do one right now. Yeah, I don't care how old they are. I will With watch that immediately. With a cameo from Dave Chappelle, you know. It's, oh, yeah, it's that was an interesting. Yeah, right. that was an interesting <laughs> Dave Chappelle cameo. Uh, you've got mail is not as good as Sleepless in Seattle. I will die on that hill, but it is a good movie. Coming up, we're closing in on kickoff of Chiefs Chargers. We're gonna check in on the Chargers. Headed into that game. Who will be available for them? It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. I'm hesitant to get too excited for tonight's game because you all know how Thursday night football does us every time. Even when it seems like a good matchup, even when we get excited, somehow, some way, we are not we are not given nice things. But tonight, maybe we'll get it. Chiefs Chargers at Spain and Fitz. Emmett Golden in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Emmett, where can they listen to you every day? Oh, uh, ESPN Cleveland. Fire me up on the ESPN app. Yeah, if you if you can't get enough Browns Cavs talk, that's right. Three head to on five. over to ESPN <laughs> Cleveland, three to five Eastern. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, including our next guest, the Athletic Chargers reporter Daniel Popper. Daniel, thanks for the time. 
Thanks for having me. Let's start where we have to start now. Uh, how many warm bodies are available for the Chargers? Have they gotten hit like everyone else? Or are we showing up mostly full strength? Yeah, only one player on the COVID list right now for the Chargers, but it's a big one in starting left tackle, Rashawn Slater, who has played an all-pro level as a rookie. They will miss him dearly both in the passing game and the running game. It will be third-year tackle Trey Pipkins starting in Rashawn Slater's place. Pipkins has struggled in his playing time so far in his career, and the Chargers are really going to need to help him out schematically in this game you know, chipping, helping, uh, you know, leading into the quick game RPO, getting the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands quickly to try and mitigate the pass rushers. Frank Frank Clark and and Melvin Ingram, that's really the biggest storyline for this game is Slater being out. Now, Daniel, we know the Chargers' offense goals is Justin Herbert goals, but who was the most important player to that offense not named Justin Herbert? I I would probably say Rashawn Slater, (laughs) but he's out. Uh, Corey Lindsley certainly is in the conversation. Uh, their center that they signed in free agency, who is one of the best centers in football. And then you got to throw Keenan Allen in there. And I think Keenan Allen is really going to be a big factor in this game because of what I mentioned earlier. The Chargers are really going to have to get the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands as quickly as possible. And Keenan Allen is one of the best weapons in the quick game in all of the, the NFL. He is an absolute beast running routes in the short area of the field. And if they want to get the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands quickly, it'll be going to Keenan Allen on slant routes, out routes, stop routes in that short area of the field. You know, Keenan Allen, his season high in targets is 13. I expect him to at least match that in this game. Daniel Popper of The Athletic with us here on Spain and Fitz on the Goodyear Hotline. He covers the Chargers. They take on the Chiefs tonight. You know, the Chargers have been sort of infuriating at times this season, just inconsistent. Sometimes they look great and like a team who could really do some damage, and other times you're not sure who's showing up. One of the things that we national folks do and casuals tend to do is see the big-armed, incredible plays from Herbert and then sort of extrapolate across that that's his level of play at all times. You're watching him day in and day out. Are you seeing week-to-week flaws that he needs to work on? Are you seeing progress that he's making as a young QB? Or what's what's behind some of those highlight reel plays that we tend to focus too much on? Yeah, I mean, the last three games, the offense has been, uh, you know, absolutely sensational. He, he had some, some obstacles and some speed bumps earlier in the season. They had some protection issues. There was a period of time where they were leading the league in drops, um, and they had some offensive penalties, just different issues popping up at different times, but it's clear at this point that Justin Herbert is one of the best quarterbacks in football, full stop. You don't even have to put the qualifier young quarterback in anymore. And it's not just the deep throws that you're talking about. He's excellent in the short area of the field. He's excellent in the intermediate area of the field. It's not just the big arm, it's the accuracy. And I think the one thing with Justin Herbert this season is that you're seeing him grow in terms of his intelligence. He's banking experiences against some great defensive coaches in terms of understanding what they're trying to do to him, rotating coverages, those types of things. And that start, I think you're starting to see him hit a stride in that area, and that's a primary reason why he's been playing so well here over these last few games. You know, sticking with Herbert, we know L.A. is full of stars and there's a lot of stuff going on in L.A. How has the city embraced Herbert? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, people in Los Angeles like exciting stuff, and the exciting team in Los Angeles right now is the Los Angeles Chargers, and Justin Herbert is a primary reason reason why. Now, you know, it's going to take some time for the Chargers to really get a foothold in the city, but winning games is what's important in Los Angeles, and the Chargers are doing that this season at 8-5. and five. I mean, heading into tonight, they have a chance to take over first place in the AFC West. Los Angeles is going to support a winner, so if the Chargers keep winning, they're going to keep building that fan base here in L.A. 
Spain and Fitz, we got Thursday night football tonight. Chargers Chiefs, and this is a Chiefs team obviously riding high as they're starting to figure things out. Uh, you know, he just asked about sort of the vibe around the city. What's the vibe around this Chargers team for their likelihood of, you know, are they proud of where they are already? Are they super hype on, you know, we believe we can really do some damage? Like, I know that, of course, they're going to be confident in themselves, but is it outwardly you know, what's the conversation about the expectation for the rest of the season and the postseason? Yeah, I mean, they feel like they have a chance in any game because they have number 10 playing quarterback, and I don't really blame them. You know, heading into this season, I felt like the measure of success would be, like, are they playing meaningful games in December? It's a, it's a you know, a new coaching staff, a rookie head coach, a young quarterback. It was tough to set the expectations at, like, Super Bowl or bust. And right now they're playing meaningful games in December, and I think Brandon Staley – deserves a lot of credit, but this team believes in Justin Herbert. That's why they think they can win every game. But I think the other important facet here is they want to be playing their best football right now. And they just won their second game in a row for the first time since weeks four and five. So they feel like they're starting to put it together at the runtime at the right time. They feel like this defense is improving and starting to find their identity, you know, starting with Derwin James back there at safety, who will be back tonight after missing Sunday's game with a hamstring injury. Uh, we'll find out tonight, really, if they're playing their best football in December because it's one thing to go out and beat a Mike Lennon-led Giants team. It's another thing to go out and beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in prime time. Emmett Golden in for Fitz with me. Spain, we're talking to Daniel Popper of the Athletic Chargers reporter. Before I let you go, I want to follow up on what you said. You know, we, it is a first-year head coach, and I was having a debate last night with my co-host about the, the real contenders, and I've got the Cardinals in the contender pile, even though I know that Kyler and Cliff and, and those folks don't have a lot of experience, and we saw at the end of that last game against the Rams, that last drive, that maybe that really factored in. How do you feel about the, the, the pressure of a playoff game or an important game and, and Staley's ability to, to make the right decisions? Have you seen down the ends of games, or is there still some questions about needing to, to get some more experience at this level? No. In terms of his game management, it's been pretty much flawless. Um, you know, he's one of the most aggressive coaches in the NFL, and I think that matters when you're getting to this time of year. You know, having a coach who's willing to put the ball in his quarterback's hands in big fourth down situations. So I think in that regard, they have an advantage. They obviously have an advantage at quarterback. I think, you know, if, if you're sort of measuring, okay, are they a Super Bowl contender? I just think they still have some roster holes. Um, and one of those roster holes, their offensive line depth could be exposed tonight. We'll find out. Um, they have some defensive line depth issues. They have some cornerback depth issues. Again, these are things that we're going to have to measure up tonight against a really good football team in the Chiefs. So I think, you know, if they do end up short of the playoffs or short of contending for a Super Bowl, it will come down to more uh, to roster construction than, say, uh, you know, Brandon Staley's game management, coaching ability, or obviously, you know, Justin Herbert as a young quarterback. Awesome stuff, Daniel. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Daniel Popper with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Emmett Golden with me here tonight, filling in for Fitz. We got a good one tonight, and, and if it shows up uh, with, with what we've seen from these teams, that'd be great. Kansas City is 18-3 and on the road since 2019. That's the best in the league over the last three seasons. Chargers have not been great at home, just 8-7 and at SoFi since moving in with the Rams at the start of last season. So we'll see if they can... Make good on home field advantage tonight. Daniel Popper was brought to you by Goodyear with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. We'll talk a little more about Urban Meyer out in Jacksonville. Mina Kimes had some thoughts on it today. Trevor Lawrence talked about the toxicity there as well. Um, also, we already talked about the Browns being a mess. My Bears, oof, it's gotten worse <laughs> just since the show started. We'll talk about it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. All right, this is Usher again. I know this time. 
Now it's going to be like a test every time we come back to whether or not I really know all my Usher bangers or I just kind of get everything from that time period all mixed together. <laughs> it's, just, it's Usher. No Listen, matter I'll what, own right? it, okay? I'll right. own it. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Emmett Golden, filling in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We get back to Urban in a second, but in, in the time since we started the show, the Bears situation, uh, which was bad, went from bad to worse. The latest for the Bears is a total of 29 players and three coordinators dealing with either COVID-19 or a different illness or injury, 14 of them starters. So the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the special teams coordinator, some some of the players, uh, Allen Robinson, Eddie Jackson, right tackle Larry Borum, uh, defensive lineman Eddie Goldman, uh, those players, uh, all COVID related. Then you've got, you know, Justin Fields, whose hand is injured. He practiced fully at least. Akeem Hicks back to full practice. So some of the players that were limited are getting back and, and getting ready for that Monday night game with the Vikings. But, um, if it, we went out to the, uh, Dr. Pepper Twitter feed where, uh, 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 uh one of our, our better Twitter followers at Jeff Norman 90 wanted to be a part of Spain and Fitz nation said, if decide the defensive coordinator is out, Neggy should call the defense. Nobody stymies an offense quite like him. Nah, he's got a point. Uh, ouch, but true. <laughs> he's uh, got he's, he's got a point. Uh, the bears among the worst situations right now, the Browns, as we talked about earlier, Emmett, your Browns in a very dire situation where at first it looked like Case Keenum would be able to step in as he has already this season for Baker Mayfield. He's now tested positive, so Mullins, the starter left over, assuming he can stay out of protocols. The Ravens also in a terrible situation right now. They've got a ton of players um, out as well, and it feels sort of untenable. Uh, the NFL is going back to some of the stricter protocols that they used last year um, as it becomes clear that their intermittent testing wasn't enough. Um, but, but Emmett, I, you know, I do think that it seems likely that we might get some sort of postponement in the coming week or two. I would be interested to see if that's going to happen because it feels like the NFL has dug their heels in, right? They First, they tried to debow all the players in the NFL and said, well, you're going to forfeit games and the, you know, you'll have to pay the price and, and deal with all of this if you're not vaccinated. And they figured everybody would get vaccinated and this wouldn't be a problem. Well, that was a little short-sighted on their end because there's a gigantic problem. But everything we've heard in Cleveland where the Browns have over 24 players with COVID, they have other injuries as well, and obviously their head coach is out, is the NFL doesn't care. They're going to keep these games going on. I'm interested, though, because the uh, head of the Players Association, at least from a player standpoint, is J.C. Treader. He is the center for the Cleveland Browns. So it hits really close to home for him. And I think they should, but I actually would be surprised if the NFL postponed any games. J.C. Treader, the pride of Cornell, uh, which, by the way, is unfortunately going through its own incredible outbreak right now. Um, they had to shut down campus early. And I think what we've talked about since the beginning of the pandemic is flexibility mm -hmm. and the ability and to have the agility to change. And I do think when the NFL started out this season with the protocols in place for vaccinated versus unvaccinated and everything else, that was based on the science of, you know, the likelihood of, of transmission and everything else. But the ability to pivot as things change, which they have over the course of this two year now pandemic is so 
key. And it feels like right now they're a little belated in their changing of policy. And then in the end, they may be even more belated in terms of not deciding to just halt this. Because last year, we had a lot of conversation about active spreads, things that had not been contained, uncontained spread. And it was the real difference in those tedious conversations we had about why the Broncos had to play without a quarterback and other teams didn't. One Mm -hmm. was a contained spread, one was not, et cetera. Um, This is going to, I think, put to the test a lot of the expectations NFL had for whether or not they would need to reschedule games, whether or not they needed to build in an extra week and all of that stuff. Of course, this happens in the season with 17 games, more games than ever, more opportunities than ever. And, And the problem is, is not just the disappointment, whether it's your fantasy team or whether it's your real team, but the real integrity of the season to play 15 weeks worth, uh, 16 really, because you count the buys, um, and then to get here and potentially be closing out a season with 26 teams still in the hunt and have it be decided by just which team got luckier, which is kind of what it feels like right now with this. I mean, maybe you could trace it to teams being less careful. I don't know if that's really provable at this point, though. Yeah, I mean, the Browns are 99%, you know, uh, vaccinated. There's one guy on the team that's been pretty vocal about not being vaccinated, but everybody else is. But it's about following protocols. It's who are you hanging out with outside right. of the team. It's what are your right. behaviors. It's are you, it, like, letting down your guard. It goes beyond the vaccinated at this point. Yeah, but I also think the NFL is going to go, because to your point, like, there are teams that are in it, and they need to be healthy, and they need to, a good look at these games, I think the NFL is going to say, well, you should have won some games earlier in the year, and they're going to keep this train going because we're talking about it right now, but once the playoffs start, we'll be talking about the playoffs. We'll move past it, and I think that's what the NFL is banking on. Well, we'll be talking about the playoffs and whether teams have their starting quarterback and wide receiver and everything (laughs) else for it, right? It's not going away. It's Spain and Fitz. Emmett Golden filling in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio. Uh, We started the show talking about Urban Meyer. That obviously the huge news that happened last night while I was watching single all the way. Uh, I was up late, uh, should have been in bed, and I I, I found out the Urban Meyer news as the Jags uh, announced it. He apparently left after practice and just never came back, leaving people to wonder what was going on. And then the announcement uh, was made. Mina Kimes was on Around the Horn today. I think she advanced the topic a little bit in what she had to say about it. The inevitable. I mean... At this point, I don't think anyone was defending Urban Meyer, maybe outside of a few guys on Twitter with Ohio State in their avatars. But I want to say something, which is this isn't a clean resolution or a happy ending. The fact that Meyer was hired in the first place, despite his off-the-field record in college, merits more scrutiny than it ever got. Uh, the The timeline here, I think, also deserves a closer look because, Tony, Urban Meyer didn't get fired for allegedly kicking his kicker, which is a sentence I can't believe I just said on television. He got fired because (laughs) we found out. The report also said that the organization knew about this. And I believe firmly that if Josh Lambeau didn't come forward, if some of Urban Meyer's employees didn't come forward anonymously and say he was derisive towards them, and if he had won a couple more games, he would still be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, despite all of this. And I think that is the most damning part of all. It is. I think it is. And I think the fact that I've heard differing opinions on whether give it a year or so and he'll be making millions at college again for some team that says, well, we really need to make a splash. We need a win. Let's just hope everybody forgot about Urban. Yeah, and that's what they'll they'll bank on. And and the, the bad thing is it's, it's like this in sports overall, but definitely, you know, in the NFL and even college sports, you you never get in trouble until you get caught. 
you know, everything's covered up. I'll right. take it or all. Or until you're the losing. Way. Yeah, I'll take it all the way back to the Ray Rice situation, right? Like, it was like, ah, oh, you get a game, and then the video came out, and it was like, okay, you're never playing again. Mm-hmm. You know, if that video doesn't come out, then he probably continues to play. So it's like that all over sports where if you can keep it on the under, then we'll keep moving. But as soon as it comes to light, then the owners and the general managers go, we won't stand for that. And it's like, yeah, you won't stand for it because there's pressure put on you to not stand for it. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's not just you got caught because the Jags knew about the kicking the kicker when it happened. He reported mm-hmm. it immediately and he was still employed, right? So it, it was that it went public. It was that there was enough of a push from everybody. And Trevor Lawrence said this before the official firing of Urban, but he's been a bit more vocal than you might expect for a first-year guy in the midst of all of this. Do we have the Lawrence? Obviously, there's been a lot of drama, like whatever has caused everything. Who, who even knows at this point? But there's been a lot of drama. Um, <laughs> and for me, I think it's important to be truthful. Mm-hmm. But with that, like I said, you can't always, you can't say everything that, sure. that's on your mind. You have to have a filter and you got to be careful. And, um, you know, I have a lot of appreciation for all those guys in there that's, that have been working to try to get this thing right. And it's, it hasn't been easy. So I have a lot of appreciation for the players, for the coaches, for everybody. I think he said, we don't need leaks or anything, but also at the same time, everything sucks here. So I don't really blame anyone <laughs> for telling people that it sucks. Yeah. Uh, man, uh, hoping for better options for Trevor Lawrence moving forward. Coming up, we'll get some perspective on the Urban Meyer situation from Jacksonville. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We will keep you updated on the Thursday night football game. Really scary moment there as uh, the Chargers went for it on fourth down. And, uh, you know, you never want to blame everybody for talking about a defensive stop or, you know, uh, blabbing on about a missed catch or a dropped ball. But, um, man, the, the, who, who was that? I, I didn't even I didn't even look who, who hit his head. Um, he's out cold on the catch, wow. banged his head back of his head as he was trying to make the catch and immediately got that sort of stiffness in his body. Um, Donald Parham, Jr., um, really scary moment. They are currently still working with him on the field. Uh, so we will we will keep you updated on his status and on that game as the show goes on. It's Spain and Fitz. I'm at Golden. In for Fitz tonight, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We started the show talking about the huge overnight news of Urban Meyer. Uh, somehow not at all shocking, and yet, wow, didn't even make it the whole season. Uh, this was even more of a disaster than even those of us who said I told you so might have guessed. We're going to get the reaction from in Jacksonville. Mike Dempsey, the host of Jaguars today on 1010XL in Jacksonville with us. Mike, thanks for the time. Oh, happy to do it. How are you all tonight? Well, we're good. I'm glad you made note on Twitter that you were going to talk Jacksonville and not male models, and you weren't sure I mean, who was going to talk I'm available to talk models. whatever, but I just, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, no, no. we that took was care what of that. Tonight you had me on for. We we took care of that already. Uh, that was a conversation about the incredible John Toth, who is a Washington center and also a male model. Uh, you shouldn't be that big and that sexy, is all I'm saying. We like it, it's it's incredible. We should all be jealous. He's doing it on and off the field. Uh, but thankfully for you, we already handled the male model talk. Let's get to Jacksonville. I was on uh, some Jacksonville stations right before the season, and I was trying to tell you, and a lot of people were trying to tell you, uh, but I think there was a belief that just the success as a coach might make up for culture and everything else. Is is this a progressive vibe in Jacksonville of, oh, this isn't working out, or were people still sort of caping for the idea that he might figure things out? 
Uh, first of all, this is no I told you so to me because I work on the Jags' official game day broadcast, and when Doug Marone got fired at the end of last year, Urban's name came up, and I said on their official broadcast that I would literally hire any coach other than Urban Meyer. Wow. I thought he was a terrible guy. Yeah. And, I, you know, once he got hired, I said, well, you know, I'm going to root for his success and give him a, a clean slate and an opportunity. And, uh, you know, he quickly squandered that almost immediately with the hiring of Chris Doyle, which made zero sense. You know, it's like he lived in this other world where he wasn't aware of what was going on outside his little head bubble. You know, he always talked about doing a deep dive on the team, and then he would do things that showed you he knew nothing about his own roster. He constantly didn't know the names of his own players. It was crazy (laughs) talk what was going on with Urban all season long. Now, Mike, obviously Trevor Lawrence is a very important piece to this team and franchise going forward, but how much damage did this season do to Trevor Lawrence's development? Uh, you know, like, I probably didn't help, obviously, but I, Trevor Lawrence doesn't seem like the type of guy who's easily damaged. In fact, the one thing Jaguar faithful have had all season is every time Trevor steps to the microphone, we all calm down because this guy gets it way beyond his years. In fact, you know, he had a press conference today where he reiterated something he told to Shad Khan before he drafted him that he, he has, wants to stay with this franchise, hopes he's a lifetime Jaguar, which is music to Jaguar fans' ears. They've never had a guy with this much hype coming into the league that, uh, you know, expressed that kind of of uh, desire right out of the gates. I think Trevor Lawrence will ultimately be fine. Obviously, it was not an ideal set of circumstances. He hasn't performed well. Some of that's on Trevor, right? He had to, he has to play better. But I think everybody in Jacksonville believes in his talent, and they've got to get it right, though, now. I mean, you know, I mean, Daryl Bevel, who's going to be the interim, has orchestrated a terrible offense. So I don't know if he's any part of the long-term solution here either. I think Shad Khan needs to cast a wide net. My suggestion was pour all the money and throw it at Tony Dungy just as a consultant. Not to, He doesn't want to coach, but have somebody with some gravitas that everyone in the league respects and let him – be your your search firm, so to speak, and whoever he recommends, I would hire. But uh, I don't. I really don't know who Shad Khan relies on for his football advice, and I think that's been a problem. It's Spain and Fitz, Emmett Golden filling in for Fitz with Mike Dempsey here, host of Jaguars today on 1010XL in Jacksonville. When it comes to those, you know, young quarterbacks, there's so much hope and there's such an understanding that their development really makes or breaks your team here in Chicago. You know, we're really hoping that Justin Fields, the good stuff we're seeing is who he really is. The bad stuff we can sort of pawn off on Matt Nagy and feeling like we just need to get everybody else around him and we've got a superstar here. Does that feel like the vibe in in Jacksonville or can people sort of, are there any concerns about Trevor Lawrence not being the guy that everybody expected? Uh, it depends on who you speak to. Obviously, when you have a season as rough as he's had, there's going to be doubters here. But Trevor Lawrence makes two or three throws every week that you're like, wow, we haven't seen that here in a Jaguar uniform. And I've been covering this team since the second year they've been in existence. So I think the talent is still there. He didn't forget how to play football. I mean, he was, you know, the the top high school prospect, the the top collegiate, all this. I don't think any of that was, uh, you know, a mirage. So you look at who's he got to stretch a field. He has nobody that's got any kind of quicks to stretch a field. DJ Chark went out for the season early on. Travis Etienne was supposed to bring a speed element. He never got to play a single game. Heck, they were using Jamal Agnew, who was signed to be a return man, as one of the primary receivers. And then he went out for the season. So they just don't have that guy. Visca Chenault's been a disappointment, in my opinion, this year. Way too many drops, way too many wrong routes run. And the team would never commit 
credit to James Robinson, who was the one proven piece that they had uh, over 1,600 yards from scrimmage last year. So I expect a course correction. I think you're going to see a ton of James Robinson in the final month and hopefully take a little bit of pressure off the quarterback. Now, Mike, as they look forward into next year and try to find another head coach, do you think they they will be scared off from going back into the college ranks to find I hope another so. coach? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, real, why would you even consider it? Uh, you right. know, like I, I want a guy who at least has been a coordinator at the NFL level. There are plenty of good candidates to choose from. You know, some of the names we were kicking around today included uh, some of the candidates from last year, like Eric Bieniemy. Uh, Doug Peterson is out there. Byron Leftwich is popular in some circles because of his connection with the Jags and obviously orchestrating uh, things in Tampa, although I think Tom Brady is probably orchestrating most of the things down there. So there are plenty of good candidates with NFL experience that would come in and immediately have the respect of the players in that locker room, but there's no way they can go the college route again. We're talking to Jacksonville's Mike Dempsey, host of Jaguars today on 1010XL about Urban Meyer getting fired late last night. Talk about respect. You know, Shad Khan not only started this season standing next to Urban Meyer saying definitively, I got the right guy this time, but I believe has now had to pay four coaches to fire them preemptively before their contract was over. How much faith do Jacksonville fans have in this guy? He's got tons of money, which sure helps you clean up mistakes like this quicker rather than later, but do they believe in him getting the right guy the next time? Well, I mean, it's show me, don't tell me, right? I mean, he could say, what is he going to say? You know, you get up there, you make the hire. Obviously, you want to present it like, hey, we got the right guy this time. I'm sure he'll think he has the right guy next time. And to be fair, now, it's been four in a a 10-year tenure, but every coach, ultimately, uh, the vast majority of them end up being fired by the team that they work for. So, you know, you're always going to end up paying somebody off to go away. But uh, this one, you know, the fact that he didn't even make it through an entire season is the shocking thing. And I think what happened was he didn't get the guy he thought he was hiring. You know, he fell in love with the idea of Urban Meyer, the the fiery super micromanager from college, and he just was not that guy when he showed up in Jacksonville. And that may be the best thing for his health, but it certainly wasn't the best thing for him running this football team and this organization. Yeah, but that's a fault of Shad. If he thought that he was getting that guy, that's just ignorance. That's just blindly pretending like you haven't seen the uh, the many, many red flags across his previous stops. Oh, don't you're not going to get an argument from me. I mean, it was a terrible decision. I thought it was a bad decision. Even, you know, the the football side, I think, is where he got fooled. You know, I don't know how you could fool yourself into thinking Urban wasn't exactly the guy that showed up in Jacksonville. His personality was well-established over the years, and it wasn't his football acumen that made me not want him. It was the guy that he was, and I think he showed us that he was exactly who he showed us all these years that he was. Mike, what are some of the characteristics you'd like to see the next head coach in Jacksonville have? Uh, no, no, the players on the team would be a good place to start. Uh, you know, honestly, have a little working knowledge of the National Football League. I mean, this is an incredibly team. low bar, right? I mean, in week one, he's talking about the matchup with Houston and uh, how, you know, Joe Mixon was one of the tougher running backs that they had. Oh. Like, what? I mean, what are we doing here? You know, four weeks into the season, he said, we took a deep dive on Miles Jack and we decided to take the play calling responsibilities off of him on defense. 
The Jacks had gone through this in the previous three years. He had, he had called the signals for a couple of years. His play suffered. They took the green dot off his helmet, and he flourished last year. And they went right back to putting it on when Urban Meyer came in. And then they acted like they weren't aware of that. You know, So just, just have some knowledge of, of the roster would be a, a better place to start off with. But look, I, honestly, an offensive-minded coach, you've got to have somebody to come in and mold Trevor Lawrence. And no offense intended to the other 53 members of the roster, but he's more important than all of them to this franchise. So I need a guy, uh, I love a guy who has a history of tutoring quarterbacks, but I just need a guy who's an offensive mind that's going to be a support system for number 16 because that is the single most important thing for this franchise going forward. If you could stay out of college bars, that would be helpful. That, that would help. Just, you know, That'd be a good place make, to start too. Yeah, big ass, everybody Sarah. Else. That's a big ass. <laughs> like I keep saying, because it's my favorite joke. Every time he was looking for a new rock bottom, he went looking for a new bottom, and sometimes that was in a bar. Uh, Mike, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Good luck in your search, and uh, wishing the same for my bears, and hoping All the right. outcome is similar. <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Mike Dempsey, host of Jaguars today on 1010XL in Jacksonville, giving us the the vibes in Jacksonville after Urban Meyer's firing. Coming up, a small animal running (laughs) loose in the Cleveland studio will get all of the backstory from Emmett Golden next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. I don't have time to give you the full context, but I did just imagine a super high person on the line of a football game just staying in the three-point stance and the whole game is moving around them and they're just like, oh, wait, wait. Are we going? Was I supposed to go now? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. That yeah. would absolutely be me if I tried to play a football game high as a kite. I don't know how <laughs> some of these people do it. Again, I'm so sorry. We don't have the context to provide for you. It just won't. We just don't have the time. It's Spain and Fitz. Emmett Golden fits today on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, although not really fits because they're enemies this week, Raiders and Browns. And oh, also, right. I haven't heard him squeal like a small schoolgirl all show long. So, uh well, there's still some time left. There you is. Maybe know. in this story yeah. we're about to tell. That may have been your response uh, to the story we're about to tell. First, don't forget to tune into the That's What She Said podcast, hosted by yours truly and fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade's proven formula is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. This week's guest, Top Chef and incredible Louisville uh, humanitarian and amazing person, Edward Lee, one of his stories is about finding a rat in the pancake mix at a diner he worked at in college. So that leads us perfectly into Mm -hmm. a story about small animals in unexpected places. Emmett, tell us about that studio out there in Cleveland. Yes, so we will be moving very soon (laughs) to a new beautiful studio right on the Cuyahoga River. Like, it's going to be an amazing place. But this place isn't in the best shape. So much so, it was a few months ago, maybe it was even almost a year ago around this time, our pro- our morning producer for, for the morning show, Chris Oldag, walks in at about 5.30 like he normally does, and when he walks in, he turns the lights on, he hears something in the back of the office, hmm. and he thinks to himself, hmm, I wonder what that is. He walks to the back, and he sees a raccoon climbing what? up the wall. Yes. A raccoon climbing up the wall. He takes out his phone and starts videoing this thing. And it's looking at him like, bro, what do you want to do? You know, like, hey, man, listen, I came in here looking for food. I didn't find anything. I need to eat something. I'm going to be the here move? till I find some. Right. What's the move? Chris makes some noise. This thing scurries up the wall and evidently, like, got back through some little hole in the uh-huh. ceiling 
of our studio. So, yes, this place is it's time to move because we have, might run into a raccoon or two when we show up in the morning. Now, here's the thing. I'm actually a huge fan of trash pandas. I think they're adorable. I especially like the videos where their tiny little hands are holding food and they're eating like a human eating a slice of pizza. Mm -hmm. um, I'm aware that at times they might not be that nice. I'm aware that they're wild animals and they shouldn't be pets and yada yada. And I guess if I went into a studio and there was a raccoon in there, I don't know if I would be quite as happy as I sound right now about the idea of encountering a trash panda. It is a confined space. Yes. I believe they do have some claws on those tiny little hands. A enough to climb up a wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Do you remember the raccoon that was stuck on the side of that building a couple yeah, years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I raccoon, I believe, is the reason for the minor league team that changed their name to the Trash Pandas. It was such an exciting, you know, everybody was watching it, but this raccoon climbed a 25-story building, and there was, like, not a lot of handholds. So the idea right. that it could climb up the side of a, of a room, that's nothing. These trash pandas are basically Spider-Man. No doubt. And, and Chris is much better than me because had I walked in and seen a, a raccoon or trash panda, which whatever tickles your fancy, <laughs> climbing up a wall, I would have just left. And I would have just walked and I would have called my boss and said, hey, man, I can't do it today. By the way, you need to call animal control, not pest control, <laughs> animal control, because there's a huge raccoon climbing up the wall. That would have been a PTO day for Emmett Golden. Listen, I just feel like I don't want to. I was born in Cleveland and I've been there and it, it can be nice and fun. I just worry about the stereotypes we're reinforcing with the idea that your professional radio studio is inhabited by wild animals. Well, you know, everything comes and goes, right? This was a very beautiful place when it was first built, but eh, now it's time to, to move on. You know, don't, don't uh, d make your decision on Cleveland based on one silly raccoon that wanted to get his big break in radio. That's fair. That is fair. He might have some takes, though. Some, yeah, some, I think some... Chris said he wanted to weigh in on Baker Mayfield or something, yeah. but automatically he got spooked around. Honestly, maybe he lives in the stadium and he's mad about Baker Mayfield moving in. I think that is 100% what happened. That could be it. Right. <laughs> By the way, I was wrong. The trash pandas are not near where the trash panda climbed the building. They are just in uh, Madison, Alabama. But if you mm. want some good merch, if you're the kind of person that's looking for good, quirky sports merch, the trash pandas merch is excellent. I, I highly recommend it. Emmett Golden is filling in for Fitz tonight. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. So... With this COVID stuff and the NFL deciding that they're going to change protocols to, to similar to what it was uh, last year, the, the masks are back, the to-go meals are back, the restrictions on what you're allowed to do outside of the outside of the game are back. Like it certainly feels like if you somehow have a bunch of like millennial mopes who like to sit around and play video games and not leave the house, you're really getting a bit of a of a bonus there as a team. Like you need a bad city with nothing to do, and a bunch of bros that like video games. Yeah, who doesn't like video games? I mean, I, you know, I'm 41. I mean, I don't spend a lot of time playing them, but uh, I'm also not a good relaxer. I need yeah. to be productive, Sarah, so I'm not good at relaxing. We just went over this with the weed thing. You right. know? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's not my go-to. <laughs> All I do is I do radio half the day. I spend an hour or two talking to my wife, and then I'm locked in on my Xbox Series X playing Halo. Oh my or God, you are like so basic. 
I am. Are, I am. You are so My wife basic. knows where I'm at at all times. <laughs> I'm either at work on the radio or I'm in the basement. I'm very easy to find. <laughs> you literally live. You're literally in the basement getting your yes. takes off on Twitter and playing video games. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Um, yeah, That's I mean, I'm just thinking, like, you know, we've we've talked about cities and the, their effect in the Miami flu or, or Vegas or whatever. And, and I don't know if that, you know, it might not even be the city that's the most exciting. It might just be the one that's the most in the grips of this COVID stuff again, um, with the new Omicron being so transmissible. But it does yeah. feel like at some point the NFL is going to need to look and see just how much of the competitive advantage of the integrity of the game is being affected by this. Like I said, 29 Bears players, all of their coordinators. Uh, the Browns are down both of their top quarterbacks. They mm-hmm. pulled Mullins up from the practice squad. He hasn't played a snap for them yet this year. So, you know, there's just there's just uh, we're inching toward a situation that feels a bit untenable if they want the end of the season to be satisfying for people who have been invested all year long. And that that makes it tough. By the way, uh, Chiefs are up seven nothing on the Chargers right now with about five minutes to play in the first quarter. Um, so that game so far, uh, a little low scoring, but uh, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. Freddie and Fitzsimmons are next. They're going to be live on the field for that game. They're going to be both players from all the teams uh, while they're playing. It's going to be great. Stay tuned. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.